Bible says, Mark chapter six, verse one says, then he went out from there, came to his own country and his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue and many hearing him, they were astonished and they said, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. If you were gonna maybe put another title on the sermon, you could call it offended at favor. Offended at favor. Verse four says, but Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives and his own house. Now he could do, this is very important, now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and he healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Offense is a very dangerous thing because offense leads to unbelief. And he marveled because of their unbelief and then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Jesus was the first traveling preacher. <laughs> He's the first circuit preacher. I don't know if you ever heard that. If you've been to the denomination, the preacher, he went on the circuit. <laughs> means he just was traveling around preaching. <laughs> so they marvel, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Jesus, we thank you for today. Thank you for your presence that we feel in this room today. Only thing I'm not grateful for is the fact that it's my 40th birthday this week. I didn't want to turn 40, but I guess I'll just be thankful for that too. Because at least I'm turning 40, and so I thank you, Jesus for another birthday, for more breath in my body. But today we're asking you for your, your word to just be declared with clarity so that your people can see you for who you truly are. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. amen. Something very important in this story is that what was available to many was only received by a few because of the way they saw Jesus. So there were two problems. They saw Jesus as only a carpenter as only Mary's son, as only a local kid who grew up with them. And then because of that, and because he was preaching with such power and they were astonished at him, they couldn't believe that something so powerful had come out from them. So they got offended at him. Sometimes we look at the people around us and we're not offended that we're doing well, we're just offended that they went through the same thing we went through when they're doing better than us. Well, all right, then we won't even talk about that for very long. But sometimes what happens in our lives is our ability to see is taken from us. Vision is very important. Proverbs tells us that without vision, people perish. One translation says that says about that same verse, it says this, it says that when people can't see what God is doing, they trip all over themselves. And I, I think it's amazing that we live in a, in a culture where what is available to many is only received by a few. And even today, the same Christ, the same presence that's available to many will, will only be experienced by a few. There are some people that will come into this place today and they will leave this place saying, my God, how good was God today? He spoke to me. He, he, he dealt with me. He rescued my life. His presence was so powerful. I'll never be the same. 
And then there are people who walk out those same doors, been in the same room for the same hour and 10 minutes and say, man, that was okay. I've heard better. I've been in better. Why? Because the way we see a thing is what we receive from a thing. <laughs> and so, so there are people who, who God is saying, I've made the same amount available to you as the next person, but there's a reason that you're not receiving. It's because you're not seeing it correctly. So that's why I'm asking you this question today. What do you see? Because if all you see Jesus is, is a carpenter, you look at him and you're thankful that, man, he's a great teacher and wow, he's, he, he's, he's got some great words and man, that, that, that book God wrote is really good, but you don't see him as the resurrected son of the living God who has ascended to heaven and is now seated at the right hand of God, forever living to make intercession for us. If you don't see him for who he really is, you can't receive all that he has for you. And I just don't want us to be like Jesus' hometown and miss what God wants to do. Because I think sometimes we think we are God's hometown. After all, it is America. It is the greatest nation on earth. It is the most blessed nation in the world. And sometimes I think we see this is God's hometown. Because we are his hometown, we, we don't see him correctly. <laughs> oh, man. Well, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. If all he is is a carpenter, then, man, he can fix your house. But if he is the son of God, then today, today, he can change your life. So whether or not you leave here changed isn't up to me. It's up to you. Woo! Man, I feel freedom. Because for so long, we've been put, putting the pressure of change on everybody else but us. And God's saying, the only people that couldn't receive from me in that town were the people that didn't see me correctly and got offended at me. So they didn't believe in me. A.W. Tozer said it like this. He said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important part about us. I'm going to read that again. A.W. Tozer said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important part about us or thing about us. Proverbs 23 and 7, we've heard it maybe before. If you haven't been in church for a very long time, this is a very quoted scripture in the Bible. People say this all the time. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Because how I think affects my, my thoughts. And my thoughts affect my behaviors. And my behaviors determine my outcomes. Right? And so my thought life is so important. That's why the Bible tells us that we should capture every thought and bring it into subject to what God says about us. And he says about our situation. And he says about our world. Literally, the Bible is telling us when it tells us to take captive every thought, it's telling us to arrest our thoughts and interrogate our thoughts. Why am I thinking that way? Why do I believe that way? Why do I perceive this situation that way? Why is my understanding? Really, understanding just means the truth you stand under. Why do you see it the way you see it? Because how you see it determines how you experience it. Okay, so we're talking about the fact 
that our belief system, not our intentions, determine our outcome. Because if you ever got in a situation and you, t- you went into the situation, you were telling yourself the whole way there, I'm not going to lose my cool. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to lose my cool. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to do that. I'm gonna, this time, I'm going to do better. And you get into that situation, you still act a fool. Why? Because you can have good intentions, but if you have the wrong belief system, the real you is always going to come out. So I, I have to correct not my outcomes, but my belief system. We're so busy trying to fix fruit when we have to fix the root of a problem. And we're so busy trying, trying, to, to, trying to get people to modify their behavior when they will never modify their behavior until what's on the inside, the belief system causing that behavior changes. So I want to talk to you about what do you see because what you, what you see determines what you get. The God you see is the God you get. What was available to many was only received by a few because of their unbelief. They didn't see him correctly. Amazing. My belief system. My belief system. My belief system. My, my belief system has everything to do with the results I'm getting. You're so busy trying to fix your attitude, but your belief system is causing your attitude. You're so busy trying to fix your results and manage your results, but your results are caused by your belief system. And so it's important to determine what do I really believe about God because what I think about when I think about God is the most important thing about me. Because how I see him determines how I see me. See, see one, of the, one of the biggest problems with all of us is that we think God looks like us. See, we were formed in his image, but because of sin, we destroyed the image. So now we are, we are shattered glass. We, we, we were not him, we were not him, but we are a reflection of him. And sin shattered the glass. And so when we look into the glass, we don't see correctly because the glass is shattered. So I have to make sure that I am not developing thoughts about God that are not biblical. In other words, I can't bring my old wives' tales into my faith. <laughs> I can't bring my experience into my faith and my doctrine because very often my doctrine will tell me something contrary to my experience. And so I cannot develop my theology and my ideology about God based on my experiences. I cannot allow my past to determine who God's word says he is. I don't have the luxury of defining God for myself. I have a Bible that defines God for me. You don't get to tell God he's wrong because of how you feel. <laughs> and so we look at our world and we're, we're blown away by the results, but the results are the result of a belief system that is jacked up. We live in a culture where do whatever feels right. Do whatever feels good. 
be led by your heart when the Bible tells me, don't, don't listen to my heart. Don't you dare listen to your heart. Above all things, your heart is deceitful. You will lie to you better than anybody else will lie to you. You're mad because everybody else is lying to you when the person who's lied to you more than anybody has lied to you is you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's why when, the, when, when Jesus comes, he tells us in Matthew 4, 17, he says, you need to repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. The word repent is so powerful. It's not just you need to feel bad. No, it means you need to change the way you think. You need to change your mind because if you don't change the way you think, you won't be able to receive this new thing that I'm doing in the earth. So your belief system, you, got, you better keep your belief system in check. Because if you don't keep your belief system in check, you'll develop theology like God helps those who help themselves. And I forget, a friend of mine was preaching and he said that he had a, he had a professor one time who, who, who asked him, he said, he said, son, what's your favorite Bible verse? And my friend told him, and, and then he said, my favorite Bible verse is God helps those who helps themselves. And he said, how do I tell my teacher that's not in the Bible? Some of you are like, that's not? My mama told me my whole life. <laughs> Idle hands are the devil's workshop. There's scripture in there about idle hands, but that ain't what the. <laughs> and so what we do is we develop our own idea about who God is. They've done it from the beginning of time with God. Men have fashioned God in their own likeness and image. I'm going to tell you this. If your God looks like you, he ain't God. <laughs> First of all, to all my white brothers and sisters in the building, Jesus wasn't white. I'll never forget, I was watching news one night, and there was this lady, she was convinced. She told this guy, she said, well, Jesus was white. And you're like, that's not that big of a deal, but it is. It is, because if you identify Jesus with your cultural experience, then you will think that Jesus sees everything in life through your culture. <laughs> I'm just trying to help you. Because so many of the things that we're dealing with today are because we think Jesus sees even culture through our lens and our filter and our experience. We think Jesus sees people through other from other races through our filter and our experience, and our history. We think because I've had this history as a white person with black people that Jesus sees them the way I see them. And you think because you're a black person that Jesus sees me the way you see me. But Jesus doesn't see us through our cultural filters. He sees us each as individuals that he created with no more value than any other individual that he created. Do you understand that he loves the Palestinian just as much as he loves the American? Do you understand that he loves the Asian man just as much as he loves the white man? Do you understand that God doesn't see us the way we see us? Whew. So 
What do I see? Because what I see is determining my outcome. I want to just give you a story, and, and this is definitely going to turn into more than one sermon because I've got, I've got so much more than I have really time to share. I could just seriously just read it and not finish. So I want to give you this one, one story from the Bible, and we'll close here. John chapter 5. John chapter 5. So the Bible tells us in Mark 6, the Bible tells in Mark 6 that they couldn't receive because of their unbelief. Their unbelief was the result of a belief that he was not the son of God. So unbelief has its root in some type of belief. Even atheists believe in something. Everybody believes in something. Even if you believe in the Big Bang, it's still faith because you can't prove it either. So you say, "I, I can't put my confidence in the fact that a God created the world. It doesn't matter that everything else in this world that has been created has a designer. I can't put my, but I'll put my faith and confidence in the fact that a bunch of stuff accidentally got together and exploded and created all of this. You might not believe in Christianity, but you believe in something. It takes more faith to believe that there is no God (laughs) than that there is a God. So they couldn't receive because of the way they saw him. And the way they saw him caused them to be offended. Now this is what I want, this is why I highlighted the point. I think many people in this room are offended by favor. There's a story in John chapter five. I preached this story before, but God showed me something brand new about this story. John chapter five, I've, I mean, I've preached this story to death. And this is, <laughs> this is one of the stories that this is like a go-to <laughs> for me. And God has shown me something new about it. I'm telling you, this, the Bible never gets old. If you will ask God to open your eyes to see what he is saying, he will show you stuff that you have never seen before from stories you've read a thousand times. In John chapter five, the Bible tells us this story about a man at a pool And this pool, every year there's an angel that drops down and stirs the pool. And whoever can get into the pool will be healed. Whoever gets in first will be healed. And for 38 years, the Bible doesn't tell us how long he's actually been at this pool. It does tell us that when Jesus looked at this man, he saw this man and knew he had been in this condition for 38 years. For 38 years. So, first of all, Jesus comes up to this man. And the Bible says that he asked this man a question. He asked this man this question. He says, he says, do you want to be made well? And for so long, I've preached that from the idea that this question was offensive. And it is. But I don't think Jesus meant it to be offensive. I think Jesus meant it to meant this question. The result Jesus was wanting from this question was for this man to see himself. So he asked him, do you want to be made well? Now take off made well and just start with do you want to? 
Because can I, can I tell you something? I can give you a lot of stuff this, information, this morning. I can give you a lot of information. I can give you a lot of instruction. I can give you a lot of verses. But nothing in your life will change unless you want to. The only thing I can't give you this morning is a want to. <laughs> I can give you a book, but you have to read it. I can give you instruction, but you have to follow it. I can give you information, but you have to study it and apply it. Do you want to? (laughs) Do you want to? (laughs) Do you? Do you? Do you want to? I can give you a lot of stuff. Sometimes we think going to church is going to give us the want to. Sometimes we think just because we showed up, we want to. He's at the pool. Logic would say, of course he wants to. He's standing by the pool. But in 38 years, he hasn't got in. So do you want to? You've been coming to church for a long time. The same issue Do you want to be made well? Or have you become so accustomed to blaming your church? Well, the preacher, he ain't feeding me anymore. How old are you? How old are you? My seven-year-old this morning, I made him get his own breakfast. I'm not getting fed. What? You have the same Bible that your preacher has. How about you do? Oh, this is offensive. I'm not, there might be some people not come back after this, but I don't care. How about you go home and open it up and read it for yourself? Somebody else. Do you want to? You can tell me till you're blue in the face that you want your marriage to be better. But if you aren't going to counseling and you aren't reading books and you aren't taking her on dates and you aren't putting your money where your mouth is, you can tell me you want to all day long, but you don't want to. Man, I'm glad we didn't hand out tomatoes at the front door today. I've had a lot of people, I've I'm, I'm I'm told you, I'm going to be 40 this week, but just in the past 20 years of ministry, I've had a lot of people ask me, hey, will you mentor me? And I can't say yes to everybody, but some I've said yes to, I'll, I'll do my best. But the moment, for most of them, the moment I begin to offer any sort of real advice or criticism, they start to distance themselves from me. Because they, they didn't want my advice. They wanted my attention. That's what I'm starting to discover about people in my life. They, they, don't, they don't want my advice. They just want to be around me because it makes them feel better about themselves. I'm telling you, there are some people in your life just because being around you makes them feel better about them. They don't want help. They just want to be around you. So they can take from your joy. Steal from your peace. Because it's a whole lot easier to hang on to somebody with peace than get my own. This is not, 
Lord, why'd you make me do this? <laughs> Judah, uh, two or three years ago, Judah started having some back issues. And uh, he had fallen a few times during the summer, basketball and stuff, and his back started hurting. And he took about 10 weeks to rest, and still the back issues continued. And so we wanted to see a specialist. And uh, so we called the specialist's office, and they said, well, you need a referral from your primary care doctor. So we had to go to the primary care doctor again and say, hey, listen, we need to see a specialist. We've done everything you've asked us to do, and none of your advice is working. This isn't working. We need to, we need to move on to a specialist. We had done everything they asked us to do. He had taken 10 weeks and rested. He had taken the medicine they prescribed. He had gone to the chiropractor. He had done all of the physical therapy, and none of it was working. None of it was working. So we said, we need to see a therapist, so, or a, a, a specialist. And, and I think what happens to us in the church is we think we need to see a specialist, but we haven't been to primary care. I don't know how many times in my life I have asked God to do extraordinary things. And God said, I want to do extraordinary things, but you have to obey ordinary things. Like the theme for our men's conference was uncommon. I'm saying, God, I want an uncommon life. Well, God's saying, I want you to listen to common instruction. What do you mean, Rob? Well, in John chapter 5, the Bible says that when this man was asked by Jesus this question, do you want to get made well? Do you want to be made well? He says, well, Jesus, nobody will help me. And you have to understand, I can't get into the pool. This pool is not like pools today. You go to a pool at a hotel, and on the side, there will be a handicap accessible thing for someone who's handicapped. You can sit in it, and you can get into the pool. And I've seen a handicapped person sit in that and get in the pool. It's the coolest thing in the world. But this guy's saying, God, nobody will help me. And you don't understand, life isn't handicap accessible. Nobody will carry me. Nobody will pick me up. Nobody will help me. And what does Jesus say to him? He completely ignores his excuses. And he looks at him and he says, get up. He gives him, an, he gives him a common instruction that produces an extraordinary result. I'm just telling you, if you wanna have supernatural activity in your life, begin to obey common instruction in the Bible. I know that doesn't sound deep, because it's not deep, that's really real. Common instruction. I went to my doctor about two weeks into, 10 days into my, after my surgery for a follow-up. And I kind of walked into his office limping, and he looked at me, and he said, why are you limping? I said, well, I'm just, I'm just trying to protect it. He says, it doesn't hurt, right? And I said, no, not really. It just, I'm just trying to protect it. He said, stop limping, or it won't heal right. There are a lot of people in this room, you're still limping because of what happened to you, and God's instruction to you is you need to stop limping. You need to start putting full pressure on that thing again. 
so that you'll realize that you've actually been healed. You actually aren't broken anymore. You actually have strength in your legs. You actually have a mind like the mind of Christ. Come on, stand on your feet this morning if you would. He said, get up. <laughs> God's not worried about your excuses because any command he gives you, it comes with the power to do it. He tells him to get up, and as soon as he begins to make his way up, the Bible says immediately his body was healed. Whew. Do you, do you want to? And I, I want to share, this, this, is, this, is, this is the new thing that God was showing me. Watch this. This is crazy. There were dozens, if not hundreds, of people there that day. And the Bible tells us that Jesus, out of all the people that he could have walked up and talked to, I'm sure there were people there that day near the pool in worse condition than the man who was lame. Because the Bible says there were blind people there, there were paralyzed people there. See, this lame man wasn't paralyzed, he was just unable to walk because of some sort of injury. He wasn't born like this. There were a lot of people who were broken that day. But Jesus chooses to walk up to this man. And what happens when Jesus asks this man a question? His response is he's offended. Well, uh, well, I would, but nobody wants to help me. No, nobody. I wanted to ask you, are you offended at favor? Because what looks like God picking on you it's actually God picking you. <laughs> Somebody needs to come get me. You, what? you don't understand. What you thought was God picking on you. You look around you and you're like, God, you let them get away with it. God, you didn't say anything to them. God, you won't leave, you, you won't leave me alone for one second. You thought he was picking on you. He's not picking on you. He's actually picked you. Stop being offended because of favor. God refuses to allow you to get by with what everybody else is getting by with. So he will mess with you. It will seem like he's picking on you. David had to be offended. God sends a prophet to, to his house and he anoints him as king. It would be years before he would be king. Matter of fact, he would actually, and we're gonna talk about it next week, he would actually go 16 months in a detour as far away from the purpose of God as you could possibly imagine. And all of it was favor. God's not picking on you. He's picked you. That's why you're here this morning. Not here on accident. You're here because he chose you. You said, no, I chose. No, Jesus said to his disciples, you didn't choose me. I chose you. You said, but I, I got up and got dressed. Well, who gave you the breath in your body to get up and get dressed? Who gave you the car you drove to get here? Who put the gas in that car? You see in it? 
You've been trying to get away your whole life and you can't get away. <laughs> the psalmist, uh, or, <laughs> they, said, they said it like this. They said, no matter where I go, he seems to find me. Even if I make my bed in hell, he will chase me down and find me there. No wonder you wake up after partying and you feel horrible about it. He won't let you go. No wonder you made some mistakes this week and you don't feel good enough to be in church, but you found yourself here anyway because he won't let you go. Church, he is never picking on you. His favor is on your life. Stop being offended. I need you, it's 10.07, I need you to throw your hands up in the air if you would. If you can, I want to pray with you this morning. God, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for foreknowledge. The Bible tells us whom he foreknew, he also did predestine to be conformed into the likeness of his son. Being conformed into the likeness of Jesus is a painful process. It is not an easy process. If you thought coming to Christ was going to take away your pain, you, you misunderstood. Coming to Christ in some ways actually increases pain. But the good news is, with increased pain, comes increased grace. Before Christ, I didn't, have the, I didn't have the grace to deal with my pain. Before Christ, I didn't have the endurance to deal with my pain. Before Christ, I didn't have the long suffering to deal with my pain. But now that I am in Christ, he is giving me the grace, the strength, the endurance, the long suffering to deal with my pain. James 1 and 3 says that the testing of our faith produces perseverance. So God is telling us that our faith is tested by time. So not only is God asking me this morning, can you believe me for big things? But Robbie, can you believe me for a long time? Can you believe me when it seems like believing me is a crazy thing to do? Can you still follow me when following me seems like the last thing you should do? Can you still give when giving seems like the last thing you should do? Can you still serve when serving seems like the last thing you should do? Can you still praise when praising seems like the last thing you should do? And God, I think I'm in a room full of people this morning who want to open up their mouth and give you praise one more time because even when it seems crazy to praise we will still praise even when it seems crazy to believe we will still believe even when it seems crazy to have confidence we will still have confidence even when it seems crazy to keep going we will not quit in the name of Jesus come on give him praise in this place come on sing it loud
Hallelujah. Come on, can we just bless him one more time? Let's put our hands together and bless his name.